Welcome back in everyone to a fabulous new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a wonderful new show to share with you. Another great show playing at the wonderful Flea Theater in downtown Manhattan. And joining us to talk to us about this performance, we have the performer Margaret Curry, who is also the founder and producer of the presenting company, Deep Flight Productions. We're, of course, talking about the show The Moonshot Tape as well as a poster of the cosmos. It's playing February 21st through the 25th at the Flea Theater, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting deepflightproductions.com. We're very excited to continue to bring you coverage of the downtown art scene, and very excited especially about this show. So with that, let us welcome on our guest, Margaret. Welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Hi, thank you so much for, for having me here. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited to learn more about this show. I guess shows, because there are two parts to it. Of course, we've got the Moonshot Tape, and A Poster of the Cosmos, both written by the legendary playwright, Lamford Wilson. Yes. Why don't we start by having you tell us about what these two shows are about? Okay, yeah, I love that we got to Lanford Wilson because he he's at the center of all of this for me. And these are two one acts that are written in monologue form. And I play Diane in the Moonshot Tape, which is a situation of a woman, a successful writer being interviewed in a motel room by this unseen invisible interviewer. And she's answering a series of questions. And as that experience unfolds, as the interview moves forward, we begin to learn many things about Diane and Diane's relationship to the interviewer, her relationship to this motel and where the motel is. And it just keeps unfolding. The layers of the onion keep being revealed. And we we learn a lot about how we're shaped by where we come from and the people who are in it and how that affects us. And then we have a poster of the cosmos, which has a central character, the only character, Tom. And he is a New Yorker, a baker. He is in a situation, he's in an interrogation room at a police station, and he's being interrogated by two police detectives. And again, in in a similar form he's his story begins to be begins to be revealed as he's answering their questions and similarly that play also is exploring how we're affected and shaped by where we are and who we're surrounded by and how that shapes our identity and and affects our choices and behaviors and and our relationship to the world. So both plays, I know I'm not being super specific, but part of the the pleasure of them, I think, is that there is revelation in each of them. There's, I don't want to give, you know, spoiler alerts to some of the information that 
that comes through the experience of being present. You know, the audience is like a fly on the wall in this real time interview and this real time interrogation. But Wilson wrote them as companion pieces. And so it's really interesting in this process to be like, well, why, you know, what's the relationship between the two pieces? And that's been really interesting to be living exploring that as as a production together as you know what where do these plays intersect and what was wilson wanting to explore between the two of them that is amazing well i'm interested to kind of follow that up you 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 kind of mentioned a few things that caught my ear particularly that that these are kind of companion pieces and Mm -hmm. i'm curious to know how did you come upon these works well, as a as a wee a, a wee young actress moving here right after college, going into like professional acting school at Circle in the Square, interestingly enough, I came upon these plays. Lanford Wilson was hot, hot, hot then, and I read these plays, and I what I just became obsessed. They. They've stayed with me. This is many, many years now. I always knew I wanted to be in a production of them. I didn't know how that was going to happen. I've never seen any, you know, casting ads for them. It's they're very, they're, they're not produced. And I've just always loved them. I always found deep personal resonance with them then, since, and now more than ever. And there was a time when I thought about producing them with some fellow actor classmates, maybe about 10 years ago, but it wasn't, it didn't happen. I didn't make it happen then. And now I see that like now is the perfect time. About two years ago, I became very committed again. And because the the themes and the the matter of the plays sadly are still resonant now as they were in the 80s and so it was like okay this has got to happen now like now is the time and so i began taking the steps to make that happen and now it's happening but I, I mean, we're talking decades. We're talking, I'm not gonna, you know, a lady never, a lady never discloses her age, but it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a long time, like over 30 years, let's say. I love that nonetheless. I mean, it's, it's incredible what a really great playwright can do and how they can just get into your soul and always sit there. Yes. So wonderful. So building on that, what has it been like developing these two works as we head into opening just about three weeks away from this time of recording? It has been, I, I mean, I'm almost speechless by it because, you know, to have held on to a dream and like a passion for something for that long and then begin to actualize it, it's way beyond anything I could have imagined like every because I'm producing it through deep flight productions I'm literally hand crafting and selecting selecting the man to play Tom 
all the all the elements are so deeply personal and important and it's just been thrilling like there's like the first table read we had with jeff jeffrey stoner is playing tom and i met him 20 years ago and was always taken with his process as an actor his i knew him as a singer a cabaret performer but his attention to detail and love of the process like was really simpatico with mine and i his dedication to character and to intention and to the playwright's mind so i reconnected with him about three years ago and after about a year it kind of oh around the time when i was like this is the time for this play and it's now or never he was the obvious choice. So picking him, and then I picked the director, Mark Cernigliaro, who I had worked with 10 years ago on the New York premiere of Tom Holland's Hounds of War. I loved the way he worked. I just knew he would be the right person. At our first table read, I'm sitting there, and beyond, afterwards, beyond just the experience of finally having the word speaking the words out loud in a room you know a, a rehearsal space in new york city and looking across and being with these two men it was just like wow this is like this is happening and it just felt so right and it and and part of me was just like congratulating myself because it was just like these are the you know i chose well these people it just felt so good so every you know finding the flea like the the mission of the flea the history of the flea the the theater space we're in at the flea it's the basement theater it's the siggy named after sigourney weaver her commitment to the flea's founder's commitment to the kind of theater that i'm interested in that you're interested in that that's uh, you know the flea's mission and current mission it's just all beautiful synchronicity and the people at the flea the way that they relate to creativity and creators is it's just all in alignment and it feels incredible and i can't wait to see the thing I'm so curious about, this is really an experiment because I'm so curious about how these plays will resonate with people, how they will connect with, with this material now. And because it's difficult material, some of it's difficult terrain that, you know, is not like feel good, touchy feely or some of it's very rough and asks of people to to associate with some things that in real daily life a lot of people are uncomfortable associating with but so i'm curious and how when you're approaching material like that i've been ever curious about how how to do that in a way that allows people to enter into that kind of material those kinds of subjects that allows people to enter into it as opposed to creating a further distancing so that maybe some some connection and some new thought can get in some understanding some some self curiosity and some deepening of like the way we all relate here on this spinning planet with so you know all the confusion of being different people that, you know, have fears and things like that. So 
I'm so curious and excited to find out about that. And I think I have a theory about how you can do that in theater and in film and how, you know, I have theories about like how that works because of how, how that's worked on me, you know, when with other examples of pieces that are exploring difficult material. And it's a very subversive, sneaky way of people becoming involved in the material without even realizing it because they're in, entertained in some way or, and then suddenly you walk away from the production thinking about things in a completely different way, you know? So if we do our job right, I'm hoping that will happen. That's what I'm hoping for. I love it. That's yeah. so wonderful. You are setting me up perfectly for the questions I have for you. And I'm loving this. <laughs> My next question obviously is, is, is there a message or a thought you hope audiences will take away from these two works? I do. I do. I, I have kind of an obsession, like a personal mission as an artist for to, to help the conversations become more vocal and more, more prevalent around like subjects that are really difficult to discuss, like fear of the other, right? Like, like what's happening in, in our society right now around uh, in certain states around being fearful of trans people and you know all, all of that so let's just call let's put that into the bucket of fear of otherness right so fear of otherness and what i feel is a is a real lack of understanding or even time or thought given to the the true deep reaching and long lasting effect of sexual violence particularly sexual violence that occurs in in childhood but all sexual violence the 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 effect of that it, it's just something that i think most people unless they have a friend or they've gone through it themselves or they are the perpetrator most people are not really thinking about that and I understand why, but it's my, it's my hope. I think it's something that the more understanding we can have, just like the more understanding we can have around this fear of otherness and how to look at that in ourselves and in our society. So my hope with these two plays, because they both contain, they, they do contain subject matter in relation to both of those. It would be that they would walk away, first of all, being enter entertained and moved and touched and connected. But as I said, if we do our job right, I'd love it if they would be reflecting or at least have some opening, some chink, you know, some space within themselves around having thoughts or discussions around that just starting to ask questions, different questions, maybe connecting to their own fears of otherness or their own experiences of being other in the world and feeling exper negative experiences as a result of that, or a greater asking new questions or asking questions at all around sexual violence and what that really 
is creating in people. That would be my hope. What a wonderful message to be conveying to audiences. And literally, as you said, especially now more than ever, especially yeah. now, it's yeah. a message I think that needs to get out and people need to hear. So that's so lovely to hear. Finally, for this first part of the interview, I would love to know, who do you hope have access to this work? I mean, we, we're we putting postcards at the center on 13th Street. I don't know the full name of it, the current full name. I mean, we used to call it the Lesbian and Gay Center on West 13th Street. I, it's got like a big fancy name now, and it's much more inclusive than just that, but I only have the old. I love... You know, it's tricky when people have been through sexual violence as to what that it I would love to come and see this, let's put it this way, but not everybody who's had, you know, personal relationship to or known sexual violence in their the realm of their existence. It may or may not be for them, but it could be very moving. I went to see Prima Facci. I'm, I know I'm not saying it right with Jodie Comer. I'm obsessed with her. I have the biggest actor crush on her. I just think she is incredible and I've always loved her work. But in that, that first of all, that play be does beautifully, right? Does beautifully what, what I aspire to do, I mean, I haven't written a piece, but like the writing of it, the that production of it, her performance, being in that audience was so healing and, and, and transformative. And, and it, it was an experience like nothing else. It was profound and they, that's a successful example, I think, of the best that that art can do, like is t in exploring these difficult arenas, right? So that audience, I mean, I don't know the percentage of how many people in there, there were people, there were there were people that were crying. There were people that were holding hands of people crying. There were people that probably had no relationship to it. But I know that some people went there specifically because they had a personal relationship to the subject matter, right? So, and then there were people that maybe wouldn't choose to go there because of the subject matter, that kind of thing. So I think this is going to speak to people who have had to deal with adversity because of their otherness and i think it will speak to people that have have had sexual violence or have known people now beyond this i'm hoping that this has that our pieces have a, a life beyond this i would love to take it to colleges and universities because i would love for it to lend to conversations that i think at that age level could be very helpful to a young developing adult about to, you know, preparing to go out into the world and into society to, to have conversations around what these plays explore. So yeah, the, and anybody who loves Lanford Wilson, I mean, these are not often produced pieces of his. And I know 
Lamford Wilson has a lot of groupies, right? So anybody who loves Lamford Wilson and craves, you know, I'm that kind of person. I'll go see anything, anywhere. And people that just love really good writing, love good theater writing, right? For the second part of our interview, we love to give our listeners a chance to get to know our guests a little bit better. Pull the curtain back, if you will. And I want to start by asking you our regular first question, which is, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some of your favorites? Well, I mean, I just mentioned Jodie Comer she just does such beautiful work i mean i'm just i can't believe how young she is how what an amazing crafts per woman crafts person she is that play i mean the the i can't help because i'm so immersed in this process right now that the that the things that are coming to mind are exact or are what have been very pivotal successful examples of productions that are successfully able to explore this kind of content. So Prima Facci, I can't think of the author's name off the top of my head, but Paula Vogel's How I Learned to Drive. I mean, I, that play just, just is so exceptionally written. It's so powerful, right? Like I, I saw the earlier production, and then I saw the, the more recent one. And when I say recent, I think because of the pandemic, it might have been five years ago, but I'll say recent thinking it's recent. They brought it back with Mary Louise Parker and that wonderful actor who I can't think of his name right now, right? What's his name? He was so good. He was in the, he was in the TV show where he was like a cabbie. He's so good. They brought it back. I mean, I was still just like, I'm just decimated by it. And yet it's entertaining. It's a beautiful example of exactly what I'm talking about. It's very humanizing. And yet I believe you leave that play and you just start without realizing it, you're like understanding the ramifications of that kind of sexual abuse. You just, with, without it being rammed at your, you know, forced in your face or rammed down your throat, which I think makes people understandably, I would just be like, get out of my face. But you're watching that play. I watched that play and I'm suddenly, uh, you know, realizing how deep this experience has affected this enjoyable person. And he's playing the man that abused her and like, you enjoy him. I enjoyed him. And it, it humanizes the situation and which I think just heightens the complexity of these things it's not black and white it's not demon and and innocent it's it's very complicated so that that has had a huge profound influence to me as as to what's possible with art and how how that can happen how how in you know not enlightenment but expansion how an audience can be an audience's relationship to something can be expanded through 
a piece of art and how that can happen. The latest film, Jodie Foster and Annette Benning Nyad, I don't know if you've seen it, but it, it, it blew me away because I think it's all, that's, it's really inspiring me because of the way that it, I don't want to do a spoiler alert, it, the way that it, it weaves in some circumstances of this real person who is a swimmer, an athlete, it weaves in some circumstances, some difficult circumstances from her childhood and how, without even realizing, like, I think a lot of people would see that film and just be inspired by a sports story, or they might see it and be inspired by an older person doing something wonderful. It's never, you're, you know, you're never too old message, but there's also, it deepens the a viewer's understanding without even you realizing it of how an experience of sexual abuse in childhood can affect a person's whole life. And yet you don't even realize that 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 might be happening because it's so beautifully interwoven into the whole narrative. So those are just a few things that lately have been really stoking my fire. And I think it's because we're doing what we're attempting, what we're attempting right now with Wilson. And, you know, I, I would just love to be, I'd love to be able to just, you know, call, bring Lanford Wilson in onto this podcast with us and just ask him his feelings about that. I think he successfully has done, has done that. And, and we'll find out if we help that happen in our production for him on his behalf. I hope we will. I hope we will be able to, to do that. Cause I feel like these plays were very personally close to his heart. Like he, there's some information in it that is seems quite parallel to what I know of the real facts of his life. The writer that I play, Diane, is originally from Missouri and moves to New York. She's a writer. That's true for him. Tom, the character in Poster of the Cosmos, we do find out he's gay. Lanford Wilson was openly gay, which was a huge thing at the time when, you know, that he was openly gay. That was such a risk. So anyway. Uh, a wonderful answer. That is a wonderful list. I'm going to have to check out this film now. Yeah. Literally, just, I mean, alone for the two actresses that you named uh, for top villain. I mean, they're amazing. Yeah. I am curious to know now, uh, after that amazing list that you just gave us, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? The collaboration and the connection in it. Like I, I mean, I, I just feel so alive and I feel so less alone working in theater. It's, I, I don't know how to articulate it. I, I think that the theater, all art, but especially the theater, because it is live and happening in the moment it's truly entering into the unknown space right like like right now in rehearsals we're right at a place where we're swimming beyond like the seas that we've come to it you know the ideas or the the possibilities or the connections into be that beyond space that's like beyond what i might have thought beyond what the director might have thought to this other place of discovery and surprise where it's like, oh, you know, and I don't know about you, but like that, 
That is so addictive because in that space, that's when I feel like I, I really meet like being a human, like a real human and being that connect, that interconnectedness. It's in those moments where like, I literally feel like somehow Lanford Wilson has walked into our room and it's like, it's something beyond Mark, the director and I, and you know, this play that represents Lanford Wilson or the words I'm speaking, it, it becomes something else. And there's just kind of a, I hate to use the word magic, but there's an energy, if you will, that to me is the joy of being a human, you know, in a human body. Like that is full body, full invo involvement on every level, mental, emotional, physically, spiritually. It, and it's, it, it's mind blowing connection. And then when you add an audience into that, into those moments and you feel all of their energies that is being alive to me and so i like to feel alive it's scary you know it's it can be really scary to go into the unknown but like i i think it's the whole point of being around here right now so i think theater is about that it is for me at least that is a fabulous answer though i love that and now we have arrived at my favorite question to ask guests and that is of course what is your favorite theater memory mm. well i already talked about that's hard because like there's so many right and there's being a performer and there's being in a in an audience i i will say really like the the experience being at at prima facie was pretty extraordinary to feel this collective experience of having a shared experience you know, Ju Jody was living through the character's experience in a very full and beautiful, profound way. And then those, you know, we as an audience individually were connecting and associating with that, with that journey. And then more so than I think ever in a Broadway house, like it was, it was collective. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, you brought up Indecent. That might be my second top now, because as I'm describing this, I'm like having a, a flashback to the end of that. I went by myself and I was sitting next to this woman. She was probably 15 years older than me. She was a different ethnicity. I don't know anything about her life, but I literally like asked her, could I hold her hand because I just needed, I just needed to be with this person who had just lived through this thing with me. It was really, I'll never, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps. It was just, you know, and we were both like crying, weeping. And it was like, it brought us together in this shared experience that just blew my mind. Both of those, I mean, that is what theater can do bring two strangers together wanting to embrace and 
be human together for a moment. You know, I just wanted the moment. I didn't want to leave. Actually, and also the last one I'll say is when I saw Light in the Piazza, the musical Adam Gettle at Lincoln Center, Vivian Beaumont Theater. I remember at the end of that, I did not want to leave. I, I just didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave the theater. I didn't want it to be over. I think my husband was like, okay, <laughs> we really have to go now. And I was just like, I did not want it. I didn't, I didn't want to leave. I was so taken and moved by that. So that, that would be the third, third in line. Those are amazing memories. I love each of those. Fabulous shows, wonderful memories. Thank you so much for sharing those with us. Do you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? The other thing that Deep Flight Productions is producing right now that I'm producing through it is a solo cabaret show that I premiered in November at the Lori Beachman Theater on West 42nd Street. And I'm bringing it back for two more shows. It's called The Space In Between. And through song and story, I'm exploring that, that space that's in between. It might be between events. It might be between people. It might be between, it's just those times where something's ended, something's about to begin, or you haven't made the de decision yet, but you're thinking about it, or you're at the top of a rock and you, ha you haven't jumped yet. And then you, you jump, but you're not in the water yet. There's that space, that unknown space that we were talking, that we were touching on earlier. I'm obsessed with that space because I think that that space is where I find out who I really am. Like I just have, I have a theory around that space. And so I, I'm exploring that in the space in between with some incredible musicians. Gregory Terorian has, we've, he's created some beautiful arrangements of songs that you may know, a few that you may not know. And then I have a incredible bass player Skip Ward and drummer David Silliman directed by Lena Katrakos with beautiful lighting design by J.P. Perot and it's it's about a 70 minute solo show through music and story and I'm really excited to bring it back it's can I say kick ass is that okay it's kick ass music I love I love exploring this idea of the space in between and it and people have really connected with that it, it's a it's it's a good thing to think about those spaces. I love that that sounds like a wonderful show very exciting. Yeah, so some great things to keep an eye out for and a great lead into my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about the moonshot tape and a poster of the cosmos or about you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? For the plays and our production company, deepflightproductions.com. And I also have a website, margaretcurry.com. M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T-C-U-R-R-Y.com. But for tickets or more information about the shows, the performance dates and times, that's all at Deep Flight Productions. And I should mention that we're also currently 
coming, honing in on a fall theater production. So I'm excited about that as well. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, Margaret, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today and sharing this amazing show that you've put together. This has been so wonderful chatting with you. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your time and your interest in what you're, you are both doing, you know, for the, for, for the theater community. Thank you very, very much for your service and your commitment and your passion. Oh, thank you so much for those words. We appreciate that. My guest today has been the performer, Margaret Curry, who's also the founder and producer of the presenting company of today's show, Deep Flight Productions. Deep Flight Productions is presenting the show, The Moonshot Tape, and a poster of The Cosmos, both by Lanford Wilson. It's playing February 21st through the 25th at the Flea Theater, and you can get your tickets and more information by visiting deepflightproductions.com. We also have some contact information for Margaret, as well as the production company, which we'll be posting on our episode description, as well as on our social media posts. But make sure you head over to deepflightproductions.com and get your tickets now for this great, great show playing in downtown Manhattan at the Flea Theater. It's the Moonshot Tape and a Poster of the Cosmos, February 21st through the 25th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Broadway.